and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. All right. Welcome back, Soberholics, um, for another episode of Soberholic. Today, we're going to be talking about six reasons you're stuck, because I'm guessing if you're like me, you find yourself in a rut sometimes, and you just feel like you're not really moving forward. Uh, maybe your recovery stalled. Maybe you haven't relapsed, but maybe you're just there, and you're just not where you want to be. And so we're going to talk about some of the reasons that you can get out of that, to get unstuck and move on with your goals, your dreams, your ambitions, uh, just to move forward in life, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to have something. I mean, like if you're just kind of drifting through, you know, I, I got a couple friends where, you know, in the last year or so, like I've told them like, hey, you're just kind of, you're kind of floating through, man, like. I'm just telling you that as a friend looking in on your life, like it just seems like you're just kind of floating, hoping that something good might happen at some point. Um, but if you don't, and we've talked about setting goals before, but uh, you know, if you don't have goals, well, then you can't just expect. And I mean, especially, I, I see a lot of Christians doing this too, just expect blessings to fall from heaven mm. without any work on their part to try to grow in their relationship with God and to try to actually, you know, do do their part in it. Right. You know, uh, you and I, we've talked several times about the Enneagram and all that, and, and you and I both kind of fall on a one, or at least I think I do. I, I've been debatable on what mine is at times. Um, but I was talking to my wife um, the other day. We were just talking, and I was telling her, if I just had to wake up every day and just go through the day with nothing and just watch TV, just mindlessly doing nothing every day, then I, I really, I, I would just rather die. I, I don't I don't care to live my life that way. But I found that a lot of people are just fine with going to work, coming home, laying on the couch and watching TV until, you know, all weekend until Monday and doing it over again. And I would just say that there's more life than that. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's things that, especially as, if we bring it down to a recovery level, that to build your self-esteem, to, to be able to reach goals and to do things you never dreamed of will make you um, just better all around. It helps you build your self-esteem up because if you're like me, it was probably beat down to nothing. Yeah, and I mean in recovery, if you're not working on your recovery, what do they say? that You're working on a relapse. So we have to we have to continue on the journey of recovery with, you know, a, a goal in mind, a, a destination in mind. And, you know, will we ever be perfect? Of course not. We won't. But if you're not continually trying to improve yourself and you're not continually trying to um, grow closer um, to God, then, I mean, you're going to eventually s slide back and go the other direction. All right. So the first thing, um, if you find yourself stuck, say you're in a rut, uh, maybe you just really feel like there's no meaning. I mean, even if you even if you are sober, as I said a minute ago, you're you're just you're you're just you know you just don't know what to do no more. Well, then maybe you just have no direction. Yeah, you know, you're just looking for some direction in your life. One of the best quotes I've ever heard it says that a dream without a goal without a dream, I'm gonna mess it up again. A goal without a plan is just a dream, and. Um, 
that makes a lot of sense to me, or it always has. That you know, there's a lot of times that I, I dream big, but there's no there's no plan to get there. It's just always something I wish I could do. And so, how are how are we going to reach that goal? Well, we have to determine that there is a plan in place to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, so that gives us direction. You know, when we're actually putting things in place, like right. ABC, like you and our checklist, folks. Oh yeah, and we love checklists. I absolutely. I mean, I don't know how people don't use a checklist, but I know a lot of people don't need them. But uh, every time I check one of those marks, I feel like I've accomplished something. That's you know, part of my plan to help reach the goal that I'm trying to get to. So what do you think? How, how does, how, how do you find direction? Setting goals. And <laughs> I mean, I thought we were already talking about this first point. We, we weren't, we weren't already there. No, okay. we're that <laughs> well, it, it's something that me and you kind of like when we, when our friendship started, you know, uh, growing a little bit, we found we were both kind of the same way as far as we like to reach beyond ourselves and, and try to pick a goal that is probably like a, a like a step or two beyond what we actually can do. Mm-hmm. But just to set it anyway, it's kind of like when I first decided to run a marathon, you know, like Dakota was like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. My wife didn't mm-hmm. really believe me, you know, right. but inside I was like, I'm going to do it just because she said that, you know, just because she doesn't. <laughs> just because you gave me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like at the time when I, when I decided I'm going to run a marathon, like in my mind, I wasn't sure at all that I could actually do it, but you know, I was, I was determined to at least try my hardest to do it. And I think that's where a lot of people, when they set goals, and and in the past, this is what's gotten me, is they set the goal, they have a little bit of self doubt, and then they never, they never ever even take the first step to make a plan to try to achieve the goal. And it, it's something that I'm sure you've seen me do, and I've seen you do. Like, like I've seen you like set goals, and you will try them. Yeah. You will actually set a plan to do them, and then. Like, I think it's okay to try to actually implement a plan and then realize this is not realistic. Right. Like, I've seen you do that, and right. I'm sure you've seen me do that. Right. But it's better than setting a goal and just being like, oh, well, nah, I can't do that. Right. I think it, I think there's nothing wrong at all with trying something. And then you get halfway into it, and you go, hmm maybe not maybe this isn't gonna work i've been off a little more than i can chew here yeah which brings us to our second thing is like you're waiting just for the right time to start Mm -hmm. yeah how many times and i've done this i mean it's kind of what you're talking about is how many times have you wanted to do something but you just sat back and never did it because you're waiting on the right time to do it i I did that in recovery forever like it drove me down for years just well i I, I just I don't, I don't need to get sober yet. I, I got to get my job right, or I got to get this right. Oh yeah, all of those different things. You know, the stars have got to line up until I can do this. But even even now that I've been sober, it's still those things that I, I'm waiting for just the right time. Well, when the kids get out of school, or you know, there's always another reason of why I should wait for just a little. Just a little while longer. Yeah. I know it's going to be hard. You know, whatever that goal is, that direction I'm looking for, it's going to be hard because it's going to require change. And so it's just a way to put it off. Or if you're just, if you're talking about just getting sober itself, you know, like, oh, I'll wait, I'll wait, you know, until, 
you know, this or that happens. I mean, you'll always find a reason to wait. I know me and you talk to uh, people who are struggling in the midst of their addiction um, pretty frequently, and they do what me and you probably both did a ton of times is always find an excuse to not go to treatment. Mm -hmm. There's always an excuse, you know. Well, you know, I won't be able to get my job, or I can't not have my cell phone for six months, or what about my kids? I mean, um, you know, the addict mindset is always going to find an excuse to stay in active addiction. Mm -hmm. There's not there's the the right time to seek help uh, if you're in the middle of addiction is now. I remember I I was talking to you about trying to get somebody in. Uh, a rehab a couple months ago or whatever in the middle of the whole lockdown stuff and i was like well what about this one what about this one and you and you rightly said the best rehab to get them in is the one that they can get in the quickest yeah. you know and yeah. i was well, like oh, yeah yeah that's it right. well how about this um the, the third reason that you about find yourself stuck and I, this one has been so true many times in my life is that you're surrounded yourself with the wrong people um what do I mean by that? Well, in the book that I wrote, Soberholic, uh, 12 Steps Later, I, I mentioned this a couple of different times, but I, I phrase it different ways. But basically, you're the sum of the, the five people you surround yourself with. I, I heard, I don't know about you, like on Facebook, Goalcast is one of the things I watch a lot of their motivational speeches and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it was Denzel Washington had had written some of this or had spoke this, but it, it mentioned something along the lines of, you know, the, the name five millionaires um, and you'll be the sixth. You know, if you surround yourself, you name five this person, you'll be the next. And ultimately, what he was talking about is if you're trying to achieve something, put yourself around five people who are already doing what you're trying to do. And, you know, for me in recovery, in the beginning, I was around a bunch of alcoholics and addicts. And so if I stay around a bunch of alcoholics and addicts, odds are that I'm going to stay an alcoholic and an addict because that's who I'm around. If I'm trying to get sober, then go to a meeting, all those activities I do socially around town or whatever, put myself around people who are already sober. That puts me in a position so I can better get sober. If you're sober and you're looking maybe to um, – growing your finances, then put yourself around people who have better spending habits, who know how to budget and do those things and let their stuff rub off on you mm -hmm. versus going around with people who are always broke. If you hang around with people always broke, odds are you're always mm -hmm. going to be broke. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of just goes with like, you know, every, I think everybody needs not just people in recovery, but just, Everybody needs a men needs mentors, you know, throughout their life to help them to grow as a person. And um, you know, I know I've had countless mentors, you know, and if you want to call them sponsors too, I've had I've had sponsors that were not my mentors and had mentors that were not sponsors, whatever with the terminology, but you know, that have helped me immensely um in my recovery. And I want to say something about the uh, you know, um who you hang around, especially early on in recovery. I remember like when I first started going to meetings, like all the little social things, you know, that, that they would do around town with, um, um, the meetings. I remember thinking like, this is the lamest stuff like I've ever gone to, but 
looking back now, like I went to them, you know, went to the, the whatever in the park, you know, where they were doing little stuff. I, I don't know. You know, they Sober have all bingo? Kind of, yeah, they had all kind of different, you know, most towns that have a decent, um, you know, uh, presence of recovery meetings. They have all kind of social stuff. And I really balked at it for a while. And my sponsor was like, you need to go to all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, whether you want to or not. And looking back now, I see how, how much it really helped my sobriety because time I was spending with them was time that I wasn't spending with my old friends who were still using and drinking. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're early on in recovery and you're thinking, I don't want to do any of that stuff, it really does help. It really does work. And being in the middle of, of people running with a pack of people that are in recovery, it really does help and make, make a world of difference. Well, what reason is because you have no confidence. Right. Well, I didn't. And so it's easy to let those self-defeating thoughts come in your head and convince you to do something that's going to be harmful to yourself. And so you're able to listen to the people around you that give you you know, more wise advice. One of the things that you mentioned about your sponsor telling you to go do these things, whether you liked it or not, I think brings us to our other point that, you know, that, that you're taking more than you're giving. You know, that's a problem is when you're doing that. If you're just doing the things that interest you, that's all about you, well, that's just, you know, the, the selfish motives that got us into, um, you know, to drinking and drugging in the beginning. So if you find yourself stuck, then maybe it's time to start stop being a consumer and start giving back. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to quit thinking about yourself um, is to help somebody else. Uh, nothing nothing works like that. Whenever I'm, you know, I'm just focusing on myself and throwing myself a pity party about this or that, when I help somebody, I'm actually not thinking about myself. And it just, it, it really jolts me out of that, that throwing a pity party and just, you know, being consumed with myself and selfishness better than anything else could. Mm-hmm. Well, I, this is a completely side note, but uh, I enjoy reading other books that just help me become better. And I've been reading one book that I've been recommended by several people. And it's called, um, it's by Dale Carnegie. It's, it says, How to Stop Worrying and, stop li- and Start Living. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. Mm-mm. It's an amazing book. I can't believe I've never read it because, like, the first um, chapter talks about living one day at a time. I'm like, this, is this a recovery book? Yeah. Right. And it's Undercover? Not, yeah. And it's really not. But, um, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I fall into this temptation to worry about things. And most of the time, they never come true. Like, 99% of what I worry about is never true. Uh, but I'm about halfway through the book, and it's been so beneficial. But one of the things it talks about is that you can't think of – two um, thoughts at the same time. And it uses the example about think of the uh, Statue of Liberty and then think about what you're going to do tomorrow. You literally can't think about both of those things at the same time. Um, you'll you'll forget one to think of the other. You, you Hang know. on, let me try. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so th- I think that this principle of helping someone is, is the same way. Is yeah. that when we're helping someone else, you can't think about your own problems. You can't be worried about what's going on in your own life because you're helping somebody else and that helps you get unstuck with whatever's going on which is really kind of strange when you think about it because like if especially if you're like going to go help somebody so you can quit thinking about yourself so you're really helping somebody to help yourself but that's okay because it works 
Everybody that, wins. That got really deep, but that's really true. That's kind of like saying forgiving the other person. You forgive somebody else to help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay though. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like you know, when in a sponsor sponsee relationship, the sponsor will tell the sponsee, "Hey, you're helping me more than I'm helping you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm staying sober." And that is so true. I know there's people who's just now getting sober that don't understand that and they're afraid to ask for help. But until you sponsor someone, you probably don't understand that. But it definitely does make a lot of sense. What about this? Have you ever heard this term, analysis paralysis? Oh, yes. Have you? I had it so bad before I started going to meetings. I was living at my mom's house. I had just gotten home from rehab. And I had I would I would get out of rehab and would kind of land you know crash land at my mom's or whatever I did this several times, and um, I would just be sitting with no job you know I'd be I would be these are air quotes looking for a job, <laughs> and I would just be sitting in my bedroom just thinking to myself trying to figure out how I can beat my addiction because I'm smart enough there's got to be there's got to be a way to figure it out like just with brain power like i can figure this out did you ever really want to beat it or did you just want to control it i wanted to control it like there's gotta like i was trying to figure out how to beat the system Mm -hmm. you know well if i just drink light beer you know if i just take these pills but don't drink then i'll be okay if i just do this and this and don't go here then i Mm -hmm. think i'll be okay because then i won't get arrested or whatever. I mean, I was it, it was it was maddening trying to figure that out. But I just was stuck, you know, and I, it was for months too. It wasn't till I started going to meetings that I felt like I finally got cuz the first time I walked into a meeting was coming out of that phase. Like I didn't the first time I started going to meetings, I didn't come in, you know, like straight from a rehab. I came in from being just paralysis of analysis, trying to figure out what I got to do and how to beat this thing. Yeah, that, that's uh, with me, especially in the beginning. I, I didn't do any reading back then, um, but I, I was real big on trying to figure it out myself in my head. And it, it kind of went back to the very first one where I, I really just had no direction. I knew that I should be doing something better, but I didn't really know how to do it because I never had put any kind of plan together on how to get sober. And so when I when I think about it today, would you call that post? I guess post uh, um, recovery in today's time. Um, you mentioned about how sometimes even myself I'll jump into things and go, well, maybe I bit off more than I can chew or whatever. I've in the beginning it was like I was always afraid to take the first step. You know, I, I'd done the research, I'd call the rehabs, I figured out where to go, and. You know, I just never would go. Now I'll do the reading, I'll do the research on something, and I just jump full force into it. And then I might realize, eh, nah. I probably shouldn't have done this. <laughs> you know, and that's okay for me today. I had rather do it that way than never have done it and regret not ever trying. And so th- I think that more harm can be done with never taking action than just to sit there and keep reading and try to get more information. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like I deal, you know, like the whole back to the which rehab do you go to. Mm -hmm. That's analysis of paralysis. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll you'll be talking with an alcoholic or an addict, and they'll be like, well, can you smoke cigarettes there? Well, don't worry (laughs) about that. (laughs) Well, you know, can I make a a phone call, you know, every 30 days there? Or can you do this? Do they let you work? Do they do that? You know, is it faith-based? Is it secular? Like, 
they'll be hung up on like the most minute particular things about a rehab and then when they hear one thing they don't like ah, i'm not going there you yeah. know and so they they're doing the analysis paralysis of analysis to the point to where they just never even go you know and uh we can we can do that in in all kind of ways in our recovery um you know it's it's so such an easy trap to fall into which brings us to our last point is that we're just unwilling to think outside the box and even with your example of going to rehab, there's a there's several different rehabs around, you know, anywhere you go. And I can remember, and I still do this with some of the, the guys I'll talk to about getting in. I still believe what I told you, whichever one they'll go to is the best one. Do they have food there? Yeah. yeah. yeah man, it, it, <laughs> more than you're eating now, I can assure you. And um, But there is one particular one around here. Especially if someone has no uh, spiritual beliefs, really, or really hasn't been around churches or anything like that. There's a there's a Christian organization right here that does recovery, and they're very charismatic. And so they're really speaking tongues and slaying yeah. the Spirit and all those things. And if this particular person is like anti-Jesus, yeah. I will warn them about that because I don't right. want them to run out the door the first yeah, time they see sure. that. Yeah. Um, I, have, I, I don't even get into the facts of whether i believe or uh, accept the, those different things it's not about that i just want them to be comfortable enough to stay there long enough to hear something beneficial and so i tell them you got to be willing to look outside the box to yeah. see something different because obviously what you're doing right now is not working i mean i would send somebody to a, a secular rehab that does new age whatever if that's the one that they wanted to go to if the rehab's goal is for you to be sober mm -hmm. i'm for it because you alive is better than you dead right. you know and so i mean i prefer i'm sure both of us would agree we prefer faith-based christian you know rehabs is you know obviously what what we you know See, i don't can, know because i tell people all the time had i went to a faith-based rehab to start I don't believe I would have gotten sober because I was so resentful against God and anything to do with religion. Yeah. And so I'm kind of with your first point. Let's just get sober. Just get sober and, and, and then go from there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then by hearing other people, I began thinking outside the box. And I could hear other people talk about Jesus, this same Jesus I had nothing to do with. Right. I'm like, well, you kind of had the same encounter that I had. So if you was able to forgive this and get past this, then maybe I can too. And that was able, I was able to see things through a different, in a different perspective. Right. I prefer the, the faith-based ones, but I mean, and really at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters as long as, you know, you're trying to get sober. Yeah. But even if you just say you find yourself stuck and you're doing the same thing over and over, I mean, we've talked about insanity before. Um, you find yourself sober and you're maybe depressed well, it's time to do something different, you know, and in order to do something different, odds are you've got to think outside the box. Oh, yeah. You've got to quit doing what you're doing. So many times we as individuals, we don't even have to be in recovery. Uh, we have this mindset that this is the way things have to be inside of a church. How many times has your people um, that you know you 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 do, get her to do a new song set? Well, we don't sing those songs here. Yeah, you know, well, we've always sang the hymnals. We've always Why are we doing a traditional song. Yeah. Whatever. I hear these different things at every church, and so we just believe that this is the, this is the rut that has always been and always has to be. No, get outside of that and do something different. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's important to especially the one things that 
really feels like you're stepping out of the box is asking another human being for help. And that's one of the hardest things to do when you're stuck because you don't you don't really want people to know you're stuck. It, it's hard to be vulnerable with people. And so that could be one way to try to get unstuck um, and, and step outside of the box is ask, reach out and ask somebody for help. Yeah. And that happens whether you're one day sober needing help or 10 years or 20 years. I mean, I found that it's harder to even ask someone after you've been sober for a period of time that you need help with something because you're supposed to have it figured out. No, it don't work that way. I mean, there's still times that I found myself as lost as I did in the beginning when I first started this journey. Me too. So with all those things said, I think those are just some basic ways to find a way to become unstuck with whatever you're facing. And those are universal principles that work for anything there. If you can just apply those things to whatever you're going on, um, you can find a new direction in your life, a more meaningful direction, hopefully something that you can be satisfied with. Um, You know, I want to say thank you for everyone who listens to us. Um, We still encourage you to share um, our post, our podcast with your friends, your relatives, anyone that you think that they can find value. Um, We try every week to provide good content, good content in a quick um, under 30 minute time frame. Sometimes we go over, but usually we keep it underneath that. Um, but you can do all those things, and you can also leave, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Um, those things help us spread the message to other people who maybe would never hear it. And so thank you for those who have done that, and thank you for those who are going to do that as soon as this – Right now. As soon as this goes on. Yeah. And so, man, with all that said, um, that's the close of another one. I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.